Norrsken. Northern Lights. America seen through a Swedish lens. What to hate and what to love. Gina did everything right. She left academia and picked a less prestigious profession, but one she could always get a job in, anywhere. Everything not to end up in her mother's situation. But then she did, anyway. It seemed like the reasonable thing to do, to step out for a few years. Well, that was really stupid. I really should have just continued, should have kept working. In this episode of Norrsken, Northern Lights, we'll look at what it's like to be a working parent in the US. Because I had no idea it was this hard. When I came here nine years ago, I thought I'd be able to get a nice little part-time job and pick up the kids from school afterwards. Well, that didn't happen. At least it wasn't easy. I used to vent to Gina about this. She was one of my first friends here in Washington, D.C. Gina lives in northwest D.C., in the nice part of town, in a brick house shaded by oaks. Hello. 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 How are you? Oh my god, you have a boom mic? Hey. Come on in. Want some coffee? Our kids went to the same elementary school, and we used to sit on the steps by the playground after school, while our kids were running around. Regular decaf, I can't remember. I'd complain about that, how little recess kids get in the US. In Sweden, we had recess three times a day in elementary school. But mostly I'd just try to go with the flow and adapt. After all, Americans are so much nicer than Swedes, and I love living here. But that lack of part-time jobs for working parents, like from 9 to 4 on weekdays, I just didn't understand why it had to be that way, why there weren't any jobs like that. Gina would mostly laugh and listen, and perhaps add a cynical little comment. And then I knew that she probably had a story of her own. But she never brought it up. She didn't seem to want to talk about it. Or perhaps I never listened. Gina and I sit down at the dining table. She moves some shopping bags to the side with new dishes and glasses. And the kids come down. Hi, Alex. Oh, hello. Sorry, Mom, has what? either Harrison or Dave come up yet? No. Oh. Oh. You're getting interviewed? Yes. Alex is in eighth grade now, and Anna is off to college this year. It's her stuff on the table. And shut the door, please. Which one? Shut these doors. Okay, I'm going to go to piano stuff. Okay. But let's talk about Gina before Anna and Alex, when she worked as a nurse with premature babies. Can you talk a little bit about your first job? It was in labor and delivery, and 
it was frightening. It was very, it was just frightening because there's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's, you know, especially for first time moms, there's a lot of pain, a lot of mystery, a lot of, you know, expectation that this is going to be the most beautiful moment in their lives. And it's usually not. And there's a lot of, <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, frightened spouses who don't know where to stand, who don't know where to look, and who are hand, you know, the, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I like these, I like the square one. Gina actually studied anthropology, but quit graduate school to become a nurse. Partly because it would give her more freedom. Well, freedom, yeah, freedom of movement, flexibility, and the ability to sort of go in and out of a profession or in and out of a job or in and out of a city was very important. Um, and probably something my mom told me when I was very young. She wanted to make sure that both of her daughters were self-sufficient, could take care of themselves, and would be able to work. It was, I think it was, it was guided by her own upbringing, which was, she was not encouraged to go to college. She was not encouraged to do anything except either be a nun or get married. She just wanted to make sure that we were never dependent upon a spouse. And I think that became even clearer to her when I was 12 and my father became sick and was given six months to live. Happy news, he is still alive today, but he had cancer and she was facing the, the possibility or the prospect of being a single mom with limited education trying to raise a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. And I think that affected her and also affected us. And I just never wanted to be in a, in a situation where I wouldn't be able to take care of myself or any dependents. About Gina's mom, she actually was a nun, almost. Yeah, she was a novitiate for four years. I great pictures of my mom in the penguin suit. But that's another story. Gina became a NICU nurse and could indeed work anywhere. She married Michael, who's an economist, and after a while she got pregnant and they had to decide what to do about childcare. At the time, my husband made more money and I thought, well, I would rather raise my child then have to find a nanny rearrange my schedule I mean we could have rearranged my schedule at work so that my husband worked during the week and I worked weekend evenings but then we would have no time as a family which was also important to us so I agreed it seemed like the the reasonable thing to do to step out for a few years until we were in a position where uh, I felt comfortable going back to work. And maybe that would be when 
she started kindergarten. Spoiler, that did not happen. But I mean, she went to kindergarten, but I did not go back to work. But it was a decision we, we, we reached jointly. And yeah, I don't regret it, even though there were moments, you know, during that time where I thought, well, that was really stupid. I really should have just continued, should have kept working. How did you feel about it? Felt like I was losing my skills. I felt like that my identity is only raising this this baby. I felt like my world was sort of collapsing uh, around the feeding schedule and the first steps and the nap schedule of another being. That and that I really couldn't talk about that except to other mothers because it's really the most boring thing in the world to hear about somebody else's sleep schedule. And so I did feel a little bit, I mean, I didn't feel marginalized or anything, but I felt very uninteresting as a person. I didn't feel it was a time of personal growth or intellectual development for me. I think it was great for my daughter, but for me, not so much. It was a little limiting. But I did enjoy being home with her. And looking back, I don't regret it at all now. Because now she's ready to go to college. And I'm like, wait, don't you want another year at home? <laughs> or two? Oh, did I think it could be better? Yes, I think it could be better because I didn't get maternity leave. I took disability and we still don't have maternity leave in this country. We have to take all of our disability and we have to cobble together all of our vacation and all of our accrued sick leave to take to maybe take off four months after you've had a newborn, which by the way, if you haven't had a baby, <laughs> it changes your life in ways that you have no idea. And no one is saying to you, well, it's going to be difficult for you to do that. Let me help you. Or, you know what, for these visits, we're going to have somebody come to your house. And by the way, you don't have to take all of your disability and sick leave. We're going to talk about maternity leave. And you know, there's going to be like when, like when a woman gets pregnant, you're sort of on your own. Let's talk about how Sweden does it. I think we can do that now. Nine years ago, when I got here, most people said, oh, that would never work in the US. America is different. And Sweden is such a homogenous country. Sometimes I'd object and start talking about the military spending. That's the big difference between the countries. And I would say that Sweden really isn't that homogenous anymore. 15% of the population was born in another country. But people really didn't want the European perspective on things. Now the US has changed and we can talk about universal health care in class. 
about free market socialism, the Swedish way, and about parental leave. So let's. If I had been clever enough to have my kids in Sweden, my husband and I could have stayed home for four years with our two boys. And there would have been good part-time jobs for radio journalists on weekdays between nine and four or working three or four days a week. That's what most of my friends have done. But in the US, they say, you can't have it all. And if you're overwhelmed, it's somehow your fault, not the systems. You just have to lean in. You know, we talk a big game in this country about personal responsibility and working hard and figuring things out. If somehow you're not able to figure that out, then it's your fault. Well, you must have a personal failing. You must not be working hard enough. You must think the government should give you everything. You must think that uh, you know, your community or your religion is not, is not enough to help you. So, yeah, I think it is a structural problem, but I, no one talks about that. Yeah, let's remember that the U.S. is the only country in the OECD that doesn't have universal paid parental leave. And parents have to work around the system, like Gina. But things happen. When her youngest, Alex, was a few years old and Gina wanted to go back to work, Michael had gotten the job of his lifetime with crazy working hours. The way that I would have had to have structured my work would have been, I think, detrimental to my health, certainly, and possibly the marriage. Because I think my husband had, at the time, a job where, I mean, he was out of the house at least 18 hours a day. Oh, oh, and traveling all the time. So I, I just couldn't imagine going back to a job where I wouldn't be able to leave it. Like if, if I went back to the hospital and you're on a shift and your child gets sick, you, you can't leave your patients to go pick up your child. There has to be somebody else. Gina had ended up in the confined situation her mother never wanted for her. Yeah, there is a certain sense of inferior, inferiority that I had to constantly combat and ask myself, well, should I just get back into it? I feel like I'm, you know, what I'm wasting my life here. What did I, why did I bother getting an education? And of course, you know, I know all the answers to those questions, but Sometimes in moments of self-doubt, you think, well, maybe you should make a change. So what did you do? So I made a list because I'm, I'm a big list maker. I think lists are great. And the, 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 the desire to cross things off my list is so strong that I actually get things done. So it's, that's, that's, that sense of accomplishment. So I decided, number one, uh, consider getting my nursing license back because I had let that lapse over you know, the course of a decade and a half. Uh, find, so find out what it would take to get my license back. Um, take a photography class because it was, you know, it's a learning process. 
and it literally forces you to think differently or to look at the world differently. Um, do some volunteer work, find a community service project that you can do, and limit social media. Yeah, Gina did everything on her list. And then a friend asked her if she wanted to help out at a school for a bit as a school nurse. Yeah, I mean, it was great because these little kids would come in, they would sit down, and they would have this really forlorn look about them because they felt sick or they skinned their knee or whatever. And so I would introduce myself as Nurse Gina and what brought them in today? And as soon as you don't treat someone like they are sick, then they don't act like it. So you don't say, what's wrong? You say, what brings you in today? And, you know, it was, it was very nice to be like, oh, that's right. I know how to do this. I am good at that, or I'm good at this. And, um, you know, I have a skill. It, it prepared me for something like this and I'm being paid for it. And that was, it was all a, a perfect storm of very good. And Gina still works at the school. In the next episode of Northern Lights, Norrsken, we'll look at exactly that, at schools. And you probably already guessed it. At how Swedes think about recess, playgrounds and homework. In some of those things, I'm actually not convinced the Swedes are doing it right. <laughs>